Well, it's great to be able to enjoy the fellowship of the saints here in this wonderful Wisdom Seekers class. And um, normally it's my privilege to be sitting in the back row so I can keep an eye on my son-in-law and all of you good folks. But today I'm privileged to be up here uh, dressing the, the class here at the Father's Church, but also saying hello to all of our Saints Network family who are joining us today. And uh, <clears throat> for those of you who tuned in hoping to hear Brother Burke, I hope that this isn't too much of a disappointment for you. Um, it's, it's really good to be back um, here in the United States, although I have to, to tell you that um, it's almost like we've been, remained in Brazil because uh, over the past, um, well, I don't know how many days I've even been back, but every day there are ongoing communications with various pastors and different churches that are desiring to, uh, to know more about what they're teaching on or what, uh, what they, how they need to be praying, and, and, and it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. And, uh, but the topic that we're going to look at today is entitled Doors. And you have your outlines that have been distributed here that it should be available to you online. <clears throat> and the reason I felt like we should talk about this today is because um, even though we have studied about this topic in the past, and we've, we've spoken about it um, from, a, from a true, but a really elemental operative um, uh, definition. Um, it, it appears more and more as we, as we move about that um, the Father is very serious about people functioning on behalf of the doors that he places before them. And, um, uh, it, it's very obvious in the spirit realm that this is happening. And although we as saints had the privilege of being led along very deliberately by the spirit as we developed our, our walk with God in prayer, and uh, then as the spirit would reveal something and then teach us the things that we needed to know in order to function effectively in what he was providing, these folks that we're going to now um, are just getting inoculated with a lot of deeper topics in the scripture. And so you see, you see God bringing into function things in the spirit realm that, that, are, that, that they don't have the time to go through the lengthy process of development and understanding that we were privileged to know. And so, as I saw a lot of things happening and am aware of other groups of people who are, um, who are sincere that are, that are being exposed to things in the spirit realm, and then I hear of others that are just interested in spiritual manifestations, and there are a lot of those kinds of teachings out there under the, under the name of seekers or people who are hungry for the, for the more of God, um, it, it just 
really draws me back to, let's go back and look at some of the things that are said about particularly doors in the spirit realm. And let's, um, let's reiterate the principles that we know and then perhaps see some things that God is revealing now from his word that we need to be aware of um, for, for where we are. Um, just as an elemental thumbnail sketch, remember that we said that doors were something that, uh, that spoke about our relationship with God and our being um, secure in Him. And um, doors indicate our personal walk. They indicate commune. They indicate safety and security. They indicate the growth and development of families and of businesses. And um, no community, no city on earth would be secure or thriving if the doors were not, um, if the doors were not what they should be. In fact, the, the famous passage from the Old Testament says that um, you begin to worship idols in the gates and you, um, you welcome them into the doors and since that time you have wars. And so the operative principle of doors really speak about who we're called to be as individuals, who we're called to be as entities, and then from there, gates are established, gates of the cities. Um, and when, when the gates are established for kingdoms or cities to have commerce with other lands or to defend themselves against marauders, uh, when the gates are established, then that welcomes more people to come in and to bless the city or bless the nation. Um, you know, it would be easy to say, okay, the first thing you've got to do then is establish gates. Well, it doesn't work that way because you, you've got to identify the place first. You've got to identify that this is a place of, of, um, of worth. This is a place where God has sent us. So just to, like even here in the expansion of the United States, people would come in and uh, they, would, they would establish a dwelling. And then as soon as they would establish some of their, so, several people would establish, sometimes they'd build a wooden wall around that place. Sometimes that was helpful, sometimes it didn't do the work. Uh, but then um, cities would begin to grow and develop if that place was really uh, located in a, 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 a pristine area or a place that was, was a crossroads or a place where they had a good port or a place where uh, it was a segue from the plains to the mountains or something like that. But you have to have doors first, but then the gates establish, and then when the gates are established, then you have more doors. And that, that's just what we know in the natural, but it's also what happens in the spirit realm. And we'll be touching on that as we look through these scriptures uh, to a greater degree. But if, if we don't understand that, then um, this topic is really not going to help us much. 
sometimes when <clears throat> sometimes when we are called to go into a church, um, maybe a place where they've invited us to come, and we've not been there um, at all, but we know that it's an appointment from God. Um, one of the first things that I see in the spirit realm is, well, the first thing I see is usually the types of angels that are with us. The second thing that I see is their, their connection with whatever angels may be there at that place. And they don't, angels don't have to present themselves <laughs> in places, but usually if something good is going to happen, that transaction will occur. And then you look to see what, what's available in this place where they are. Sometimes doors will be readily apparent. And in the case of um, one of the places in Brazil, when we went there last year, the thing that really stood out to me were two large gates. And I thought, what is, this is unusual to, to just come in and see gates which really does represent the calling upon that house, which we have seen developed more and more over the past year, because they are a group that is going to be responsible for spreading this message in, a, in an incredible way. And they've acknowledged that. But, you know, you can see these places. Now, here at the Father's Church, we have, we've been blessed in this histemi with so many doors of, of commune with God. And then there are places that are really gates in an unusual way. It, it's, it's why we're a communication center, because our doors and our gates are about um, communing with the Father, communing with the Lord, um, moving in the Spirit, being caught away in the various places in the earth and in the spirit realm uh, to, to have um, access points to recognize what enemy troop movements are doing. It really is a communication center. And I'm, you know, I'm speaking to this house. Every one of you are aware that these places are in that house. I mean, you know that they are. You walk in, I've seen you operating. I mean, you, I've seen I've read visions that you've had there and encounters. And so, really, the, the presence of doors and gates um, is very helpful for us as a communications group. It was very helpful for us when we're going into the nations to make disciples to immediately identify what does the Father have in store for this place? How do we present our message? Um, and if you walk in and you don't see anything, that doesn't mean that God's not going to move. It, probably means that these people are in the valley of decision. They, they need to hear the message and then determine, what am I going to do with this seed? And if I respond to this seed, then God will activate certain things, and it's a developmental process. Sometimes it means that they're just dead as a doornail. I remember going into some places, and, and I remember hearing Jack Deere teach on this many years ago. He said, I went into a place and I said, why, God, why did you ask me to come here? What am I supposed to do? What are you doing here? And God said, I'm not doing anything here. Don't you try to start something up. And I thought, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. Does it mean God doesn't love those folks? 
I remember going to a place in Switzerland and, you know, they said, oh, there's this Bible study we want you to go and speak at. So I went all by myself, amazingly. Uh, there was a translator there who I had just met and I rode with them. It was one of those kind of um, cold calls. I mean, Dennis used to be in sales. I guess you still are. But uh, you have those cold calls, you know. You go in, you don't know what you're expecting. And I walked in there, and there's probably 50 people in this, in this house, in this bigger room, and they're all sitting there looking at me. And, and I thought, oh, dear God, what have I stepped into? So I thought, what am I going to speak to these people about? So I just went 101, and man, I, I'm not saying God didn't do anything there, but if he did, he's keeping it a secret. And I got out of there as quick as I could. And uh, it reminds me when, when we went into Neon in, in Switzerland and we spoke at the Dirk Nowitzki Church. Uh, it was this uh, Salvation Army kind of a place and they had this big picture of Jesus up on the wall with his arms extended and he looked just like Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it was the Switzerland, it was the Swiss, Swiss Jesus. And... Um, and I remember we spoke uh, on Proscuneo, and those people were just gawking like that, you know? And all of us responded, and we want to call everybody to lay on their face and pray, and we all did, and the Spirit was moving. We had a bigger team there. And I remember looking up after about 20 minutes, and all of those people in those pews had not moved, but their eyes were still fixed like this. And I thought, dear God, what do you do about this? What, what can you do? You can't force feed people the meat of the scripture. And, um, but, but it is very helpful with where we are now as God is opening up so many different avenues of opportunity that when you go in and you know that these people have responded, they want what God has given us to give, to go in and to recognize those three factors, the angelic involvement, what kind of doors there may be, and what kind of gates there may be. And honestly, to see gates, I'm just be real open about this. That church in Brazil that, we saw, that I saw the two gates in was the first time I've ever seen a church when we first walked in with that. And um, it, it's very helpful to know that. Because from, from our standpoint, with what we're called to do, it's very helpful to know because you've got, you've got a one-shot thing there. These people are coming alongside, but you've got to identify, and like what Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, the, the presbytery came in, they prophesied what your crypto is. Now you've got a war, a good warfare, on behalf of what has been identified and what has been spoken. And that's what Paul said to Timothy. And he was starting a work there. You know, he had his grandmother and his mother. And, um, you know, he's a young guy. He's starting a work there. And he had to lay claim to what had been identified, um, which bore witness with him. Um, but that's, that's how he had to, to stay encouraged and to move. So gates and doors are, are really, really important. Um, and we'll look at this verse later. But um, when Jesus spoke at the end of his um, 
parable about the soils. And he, he talked about, you know, the, the four varieties. And then right before um, the, the, the group that would actually bear fruit, that wouldn't allow the thorns, the cares of this world to destroy it, he then talked about some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And that really does speak about this business of doors and gates. And so 30, as we know from what we've studied, is the beginning point. It's whether you are willing to really embrace a relationship with God and to be strong in the Lord for yourself. And, and how many 30s were there in Scripture? You had David, famous 30 mighty men who he relied upon in the three tiers of that, which is also indicative of this. <laughs> so the, the 30 is, is really interesting because you had the upper tier that was really renowned. Then you had the middle tier that were the, the vibrant staff sergeants that could do things and really marshal both ways and hopefully develop both ways. And then you had the last group, which was the still mighty, but they were novices. They were growing and learning how to stay in the flow. That's 30, 60, 100. But 30 really speaks about what you're going to do to allow yourself to be established. And that really says, am I going to welcome the kingdom? Am I going to be a, somebody that is a pioneer? Am I, am I going to be this kind of person that is, that is going to tough it out? and to make this stand, and, um, and to commit myself and stick to it. Uh, that's, that's the thing about a pioneer. You go up uh, in Jeremiah Johnson land, and you're way up there. It's just you. You can't quit after a week. If you do, you won't have the, the goods to get back down. You better know how to fight. You better know how to brave the elements. You better know how to get food in there. You better know you, you, you're committed. I mean, that's the pioneer spirit, and that's what you have to be if you're the 30. But then you come to the point where God's going to begin to use you. And doors, doors of commune, doors of interrelating uh, with those places that are immediately around you, how to function, how to expand yourself, how to expand your footprint. And um, that's when doors really, when God begins to use you, doors will, will become uh, how you grow and develop. It's, it's almost like faithful in the smaller things, even though doors are not small things. Um, you, you really demonstrate that you're going to function in places that God opens and says, will you come up hither? I, I want you to, will you accept this? Will you do this? So you're already functioning, and you've got to keep that strong, but then you're going out. And that's 60. That's doors are really where 60 is, because you, you then become somebody that is known. You're not just a novice in the land. You're somebody that's known, and people can rely on you. And, and that's the fabric of, of relationship and strength, to become known as somebody that can be depended on in that place. And that's really, that's really 60, and you, you can expand. You can, you can even um, come together with your neighbor and say, hey, you know, you're good at this, I'm good at that. How about if we partner together and 
we'll, uh, we'll respect one another's property, but here, here we go. You know, I, I can do this, you can do that. Uh, I'm growing this, you're growing that. Here, let's bless one another. And we know that. We, we know, knew that not so much now, but back in the day, you know, when I'd go to visit my grandparents who were on a farm, who, farmers, you know, I'm still not, not really sure what my grandfather was really good at. <laughs> but he was a circuit preacher too, so I guess he was good at that. But the neighbor would come by and they've just got a crop of, of uh, green beans and some other kind of stuff that they'd grown and they'd bring it in a basket. And then my grandma would say, hey, we got this. And grandma was a real good, she was a good baker. She could cook really well, even though she was as thin as a rail. It's just funny. I still don't know why that gene didn't pass on to us. But. Anyway, Grandma would give, her, give him a couple of hot apple pies. And man, that was great, because this old dude, he owned the farm next door. His wife was dead, so he was more than happy to bring what he was growing to get some of those pies. And it, you know, it's just funny to see that. But you, you really have the esprit de corps, and you, you grow, and you, you, you become skilled at what God gives you to do based upon your willingness to be strong and develop for yourself, but that's the way doors operate. That, that's really the way doors, they're, they're, they're functional, but they're also a training ground. And God watches what you do. You know, and you think 30, 60. Well, it's, it's like when we go, we show these people what we had to do to become what we are. You cannot go in and make disciples by being God's man of faith and power. You've got to go and humble yourself and teach them the rudimentary things of how to be on your face before God, how to spend time with God, how to study the Word, how to become strong before the Lord as an individual. If you can't do that as a 30, then you're never going to develop the 60 where these people can function in their doors and they can become what they're supposed to be. If they don't have that, that elemental devotion to being the best that they can be as individuals, you'll never be able to make them into disciples. Because sure enough, once the glimmer and the, and the, 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 the delight of first experiences goes, if they don't have that strength, they'll collapse or they'll go searching for some other dog and pony show. So to, to make disciples, which is really the objective of the 60, is, um, is why it's 30 and 60, is you've got to reproduce yourself. You've got to reproduce the, the functionality of being saints. And you, you've got to pattern that. One of the things that we heard from one of the pastors that we were ministering in, and why he told me this, I don't know. I guess we passed muster. But he said, I told my leaders, I told my people to watch you. Not from a critical standpoint, but, but to watch you and to do what you do. And I thought, I better, <laughs> I better up my game. <laughs> I better stop cutting out back to get, catch a drag. You know, never did that. Mom wouldn't let me. Um, 
but you know that that really showed me. I mean, these people are wanting to become, and that that accumulation of those who know how to function in the doors that God has given them is how you impact the kingdom and how you welcome the kingdom. And I'll get to these verses here in a minute, but I'm talking about them. So when we get to them, it'll be grease lightning. Um, so, but then, you know, when, when you're faithful in that way and you're reproducing yourself and you've got people who are, and, and you think about, you think of particular areas of the country. And you know, I was watching, uh, when I was working out the other day, I was watching that sniper movie. Um, and uh, he introduced himself to this girl. He said, I'm from Texas. And you know, it just meant, this is what I am. This is what we do. And you know, when the saints have a saints network, we say we're a saint. That's what it is. It's not whatever you want. It's this is what we do. This is what the Word says. This is what we are. There are all kinds of other parts of the body, but this is what we are. And when you say that, that's what you are. You know, you, uh, you have people in Missouri, the show me state. You got to show me, you know. Uh, or, you know, and, and all those people in that area kind of embrace that mentality, sometimes for good things, sometimes for bad. But um, when you have a community of doors that are functioning, then God will say, all right, I can use this cumulative group to affect and to demonstrate the gates. And we said about, we, we talked about this with the hundred that was, that was the word that indicated gatekeepers. I mean, if, if, you, if you were designated as somebody who could sit in the gates of the city, somebody in authority, part of the designation that you, that how it gravitated from their language was the hundred. And so when Jesus used that term, 30, 60, 100, he was really saying, this is what you do. You, be, you determine that you're going to be more than just a, somebody who exists. You're going, to, you're going to excel. You're going to commit yourself to excellence. And then, as you are that way, then I will open up further ways for you to demonstrate the kingdom where you are. And as you show yourself strong there, you will begin to align, be aligned with others in this way. But then when that happens, I'm, I'm going to see that, that functionality and the gates that reach nations, that impact regions. You, you'll have that kind of authority. And, and that's the only way it works. And I think the last verse on page four, um, we'll be real Jewish. We'll start from the back and go. Toward the, toward the left. Um, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be you lifted up, you everlasting doors. The King of glory will then come in. And who is the King of glory? The Lord strong, mighty, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors. The King of glory will become, come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. And that psalm ends with a selah. If you want the King of Glory to come, 
If you want God to not just, and we love the Lord. Oh, I felt the breeze. Or, you know, what a wonderful time we had. If you want to really see the kingdom of God come, you've got to work toward having the gates and the doors functioning. You're aligning yourself under the plan of God. You have become strong and mighty. You, you're doing everything that you can to represent God as a person of authority, which is the heads. And so you've got, if you really want the King of Glory to come and to impact a place, as, as wonderful as it is, not just to have a visitation, not just to say, well, if I, I've never felt this before. And, you know, those are great. But if you take that leap to say, I'm going to be the best that I can be before the Lord. The way He created me, I want functionality. And, um, and then we're going to... Um, we're going to see God begin to reproduce and to, and to make disciples and to come together as a cumulative body because then two can put 10,000 to flight. And then God will say, okay, it's time to take this group and to make you gatekeepers and you can welcome the King of glory because this is the everlasting way of the Lord. Um, I, I, really, I really see that that's a functional a functional thing, and um, I, I, I love that. So let's get back then to doors, and let's just consider some verses that are doors verses. Um, I love what Jesus said. I love everything Jesus said, but I love particularly John 10. Verse 7, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, he says, verily, verily, it's an intimate measure of, of um, revelation, and you better, you better hear it. Uh, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Boy, that all, what does all mean? That means all. Thieves and robbers in this door. And in regard to what sheep should be. But the sheep did not hear them. Sheep couldn't function with them. Sheep could not really become what they were created to be uh, in relationship with the shepherd. Because he didn't hear them because they were thieves and robbers. Well, let's read this and then we'll talk about it. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he will be saved. And he shall go in and out, and he will find pasture. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they may have life, and that they may then have it more abundantly. That's a really important thing. It's exactly what we were talking about. I am the good shepherd, whose own the sheep. Uh, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is an hireling and does not really care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. I am known of mine, as the Father knows me. Even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now that is a mouth full. Now you know us good little boys and girls have read this passage, and we've talked about how that means when you're saved, that old devil, he can't come and get you. Right? But do you think that's all Jesus is talking about here? No. Seems that I read here a relationship with the Father. I read here a relationship of becoming someone that gains directives from the Father. I read here about how you've got to lay your life down for this calling. I read about sheep, sheep that are here and sheep that need to follow. Uh, other folds that need to be uh, brought into alignment with what the Father's commandment is. I read about how that the enemy, who is a thief and a robber, have, how many times have we talked about how the enemy absconded with places in the glory of God and turned uh, uh, deposits of the glory into wicked places. And we've read about that. You know, the enemy does, despises what God's plan is. And Jesus is the shepherd. He's the one that activates the door so that we might have life and that we might have abundant life, that we might see a development beyond what our individual identity in life is. See, all these things Jesus is saying, and if you want to do something in your devotions, you just look at this from the standpoint of the commandment of the Father, doors, him being our shepherd, but us being under shepherds, which it says we are. And the whole business of allowing sheep to follow and to go into other pastures. Now see, I'm not a shepherd in the natural, but I, but I know that you can't just, you shouldn't just have sheep on one hill because pretty soon all you'll have is a dirt pile because they will eat and grind down every bit of growth there, which is why all those Western movies that Dennis and I used to watch, you know, they hated when sheep farmers would come because they would destroy the pasture lands. We gotta get those sheep farmers out of here, those free grazers. We gotta get them out of here. And um, because it would destroy the place. So the good shepherd would secure his sheep, but then he would open a door and lead them specifically into places that were virginal, places that the sheep could eat and to establish without destroying. And then he would lead them into another place, or he would lead them in another place. It wasn't them just laying around beside still waters, um, he would lead them. And, but, but when he's talking about him being the door and the sheep know his voice 
and we'll go through that door and we'll go into other places and we'll, um, we'll enjoy the blessing of following the shepherd and you'll go to places where thieves and robbers have functioned but you know the voice of the Lord, the door, and Jesus is praying right now at the right hand of the Father that we will fulfill the will of our Father. So he's, he's praying. He's, he's the champion of these doors. He's always with us. This passage here is much more than just an eternal salvation kind of thing. But it, how many times do you have doors that go in and out? They find pasture. They have life. They have more abundant life. They're following the, the kalos, the, the good purpose of God. And, and if you're going to be that, you're going to have to learn to lay yourself down, to know the voice of the Father, to follow His commandment, and to go to these other sheepfolds and to teach them how to do this. I mean, I, I, that's a big topic, but that's, that's what... Jesus is the, he's the door. This is Jesus' work given to him by the Father. And that's what we're supposed to do. So we go into places that the Father leads us to. Jesus has prayed. The door is open. And we'll look at some of the things Paul said about doors of faith and doors of, uh, uh, of opportunity, doors of utterance. We'll look at that because it fits perfectly with what we're called to be as saints. Jesus is praying about certain doors that he wants to open, and there are sheep there that uh, the enemy, as a thief and robber, does not want them functioning on behalf of their calling of the Father. And he sends us, and we go in, and we go out, and we say, here's how you have life, and here's how you have it more abundantly. See, we've relegated that to more abundantly, to, you know, are you born again? Well, you need to have more abundant life. Are, are you living in the blessing of God? That's more abundantly. He just doesn't want to give you life. He wants you to... Well, here's the, here's the kicker of it. When God gave you life, you already had all these other blessings. So if you relegate the more abundantly, that's like saying that God... You know, it's like saying we bring Levi into the house and we're, we're holding back. You know, Tammy's grandkids come in. No gummies for you. You know, it's all there. They, they already know that. And they don't have to shine up to Dennis and Tammy for them to give them more abundantly. They've already got the more abundantly. And Jesus is talking about going in and out, following the shepherd, going through doors, the commandment of the Father, laying your life down. What in the world would more abundantly be? Well, that would first of all be for you to fulfill more of what God wants you to be, but also that you would go out and teach people the way in these other folds. I, I love that. So you got the blood of the lamb here. Um, you know, I'm speaking for Mark. That means that I've got to finish this sheet. So, or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, okay, I, I'll stop. Um, the, remember when the children of Israel were leaving the land of bondage and 
they were going to go forth into the land of promise, toward the land of promise. They were going to be blessed. They were going to know the delivering power of the Lord. Um, God had them wait on the night of the firstborn and they sprinkled the blood on the door and the lintel. That represents their becoming more than just children of Abraham, but they were going to then begin to partner with God toward their promise and toward the fulfillment of what he wanted them to be. And so the, the wonder of the sprinkling of the blood on the door helps us to recognize what we do when there's a new place or when God begins to do a new thing. We should always be welcoming the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus upon these access points of service to God because of what we've studied about the sprinkling of the blood. We welcome the glory. We, we activate things in our own lives, but on the doors. If we want to go toward promise, we need to believe in the sprinkling of the blood upon these doors. And it will deflect the enemy, the thief and the robber, and it will encourage us to go forth and, um, and to, to keep knowing the goodness of God. Let's skip. I'm sorry. I'm just, I said we were going to have discussion. We're really not. Um, look at faith here. Acts 14, 26-28. And thence sailed to Antioch. Antioch, the place where people were first called Christians from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. That's interesting. They had, they had been recommended to the grace of God. Who recommended them? What does that mean? They determined that they had heard that there was something beyond what they'd know. And so they wanted Paul to come. And it was, it was a recommendation that they were making in their, own, in their own selves. I don't know who told them about this, but they embraced that recommendation and said, let, let him come, because this is going to take us into a new place for the work which they were called to do. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. They abode long time. Me likey. <laughs> so here's, here's an, a door of faith. Why was a door of walking at the right hand of the Father opened to them? Because they said, we've heard this. We want this. We want to be more than just the elemental people who accept that Christ died. We, we want to partner with the grace of God. So a door of faith was opened. And I, I like this next verse. Maybe we've never associated this verse with that. Ephesians 6, 16, the armor of God. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Do you recognize, those of you who are already looking, that shield there is a door. Same word. So now some would say, well, that's what the Romans did, you know. They, they had roughly the size of a door, their shield was, so that they would come and they would do that turtle thing and that they would lock together and it became just like a barricade. Yeah, we know that. But it also meant what the word meant. 
that when you were moving forward as a Roman, you were representing the king. You were representing the emperor. And you were establishing that domain. It's very similar in warfare to what the cross represented on the, on the, on the corners for those that would resist. And not only that, but we're establishing new territory. We have those that would oppose and say, you're not coming in, uh, but we're coming anyway. This is the door. Yeah, it could have been shaped like, I don't really know. I, I know. I know that when you read commentaries, they'll say that they called it that because it was shaped like a door. But it was more the concept. The door of faith, the, all these doors in the spirit realm, this, this represented you going forth in faith under the Why are you there? Because the right hand of the Father, which is the root of faith, sent you there. You're sent to establish the kingdom there. That's why you've got this armor on. But, the, but, but one of the last elements is that you're representing what the throne has said. And you're going forward and that is in front of you. And you've got all these, other, all these other parts of your armor. You need them all. We've studied about those. But this is a shield. This is a door. This is representing the going into a new place. And yeah, you're going to have attacks from the enemy. There can be fiery darts. There can be attacks. But if you are really called to the Father to go there and you're establishing the kingdom there, you're going to quench through faith. You know why you're there. Whatever assignments are coming against you, you stand based upon what God has sent you to do. And that is the greatest demonstration of faith that I know. Honestly, I've said this before. When, when you know that God has sent you into a place and you are standing there in the presence of the angelic on behalf of what God has directed, when things come against you, there's some measure of faith that establishes the kingdom is here. You cannot stop this. That is, the, it, you've died to self. And when that kind of faith based upon where the Father has sent you, when that emerges, there it is. Nothing stops that. And it, it's, I've had <clears throat> the privilege of believing in faith in a lot of ways in my life growing up. And God is always so faithful. But just from my perspective, there has been no greater demonstration of belief and faith than when I've stepped out and I am, I'm dead meat if God isn't there. That faith quenches fiery darts. <clears throat> and I just love that, seeing that shield here is, uh, is, is, is a door. You'll see that. Now, there's another thing that we're not talking about today, and that is that windows are also doors. Same word. And when God opens the windows of heaven, I know that's the Old Testament, but there are other windows. Uh, it's, it's basically because you have been functioning from the Father in a place representing the door of His kingdom coming. And windows will open because you have been faithful to do what you're supposed to do. We saw a window that God opened in Cabo Frio. We talked about it, where the fire of the Lord poured out like a river through a window. 
but it was because those people had committed themselves. They had determined that they were going to be what God asked them to be. They were going to have the storehouse of the Lord. They were committing themselves, and they were going to stand there on that coastline in those strongholds that God had appointed from the foundation of the world. And when God saw that, he said, open up a window on behalf of what that door is that they're accepting. I love that. But, and that goes to Malachi, you know. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Why did he do that? The windows of heaven are open, you know. Or did he do that because they had brought all of the tithemic, all the tithe, into the place of meat. And they were not only obeying God, they were doing everything he said to do. The devourer was being thwarted. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven now because of this, 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 and this. Isn't that right? Windows function on behalf of functional doors. And you can't predict when they're going to open, but God will send that forward in a mighty, mighty way. And that's what happened at Pentecost. Pouring out, it doesn't say window, but there they all, there they all were. They had been prosuke, prosuke, they had been offering supplication, they were waiting. Yeah, their numbers had dwindled down by 75% of the original number were skedaddled. But there they were. They were waiting for the timing. They were obeying. The angels were guarding over them. You remember the angels say, get going, stop gazing, get going. And when God saw all that, suddenly he poured out his spirit. So windows, doors, gates are not just some trick to entertain people on the Elijah list. And, you know, sometimes I hear these podcasts, which I don't listen to very many. I, I went through a time a couple of weeks ago where I listened to several of them. And godly, wonderful people who love the Lord are just interested in the crazy stuff. And they think, oh, we were made to do this. Well, just because you're made to do it doesn't mean that it's time to do it. And just because you hear about angels and doors and portals, that's the big word, or, you know, just because all, doesn't mean that that's for you right now. You know, a 14-year-old is old enough to have kids. It doesn't mean they should right then, does it? A car can go 150 miles an hour, certain ones. Doesn't mean you should. You can. Oh, that car was made to do this. But you should. I remember when I'd see Dennis driving off the lot in his Mustang. I thought, man, I know he's going to want to find a stretch to see how fast this thing can go. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so if you want to talk about doors and gates, you want to talk about windows, you want to talk about visitations of the kingdom, you want to talk about angels, you want to talk about all these things, well, here it is. It's not just a penny arcade of the spirit that you can go and say, well, yeah, I'd like to experience that. Oh, I'd like to do that. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. Thieves and robbers are there, and they will deceive you if you're not careful. Angels of light deceiving the very elect. So you gotta be really careful. So if you're going forward in faith, the door of faith, that's great. 
What to do inside the door? We're finally at page two, and you know what? We've got six minutes, plus I guess if we were soccer fans, there's probably some overtime that we've got. <laughs> Nobody really knows how many minutes those are, but they hang on. I'm watching these British people, and I think these people are so meticulous. This game was supposed to be over 15 minutes ago. How, is, how are they still playing? And none of the players on the field know exactly when the game is going to be over. So you don't know when this class is over either. <laughs> Fran, feel free to get another donut at any time if you want. Kind of like our 30 minute, two minute warning. Yeah, that's, that's true. 70 commercials. Uh, Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Continue in prosuke, and remember that's regularly with supplication, and watch in the same with Eucharistia. We're going after grace according to what God wants. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to what? To speak the mysterion of Christ for which I have committed myself and am in bonds that I may, it may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And I remember hearing somebody teach during the faith movement days, well, if Paul had really understood faith, he would never have been in bonds. Man, when Paul sees you in heaven, if he sees you, he's going to slap you around a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the reason Paul could do this stuff, you know, what, what did it say about the... You know, because of the abundance of revelations and visions that was given in a, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, three times I asked the Lord to remove, and God said, but my grace is sufficient. I mean, it's not that we want challenges, but if you're going to function in doors of, of the good grace of God, and if you're going to um, have the privilege of speaking the mysterion, and you want a door of utterance, boy, we need that door of utterance. Because if you don't have that, you, you try to speak Mysterion, and it's going to hit the wall. You need a door to get through to these people. But God will lead you to them. Luke 11, 8. I say unto you that he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of importunity he will arise and give him as many as needed. And I say unto you, ask, I tell and it shall be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be open. Now, it doesn't really say door there, but knocking implies that. The beginning point of this is importunity and iteo. And remember what iteo is. It is that, that type of prayer wherein we are speaking from authority to our authority. It's because we have been faithful and been promoted and been given assignment and we're in partnership that we can speak to God in this way. So it's not just willy-nilly asking whatever we want. Uh, you, you're engaged there. I mean, you, you, you have, um, you, you're engaged there. And uh, when, when you ask in that regard, you're going to identify areas you're, you're going to be able to see and you're going to find these, probably, uh, these spiritual um, attributes and opportunities, and then that door will be open. And there's much more to unpack with that, but we don't have time. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me of the Lord. A door. This is not just opportunity. 
See, if we just colloquialize this and say it's opportunity, I don't want an opportunity. I want a door. We've had opportunities, but opportunities and 10 bucks will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You need a door. You want to be fruitful. You want to go where God is open and you don't want to be wasting your time and His. Now, sometimes God will send you to places, like I said about that place where I thought, what in the world, why was I here? I know believing that God does something through that, but that's up to Him. I, I, but I know when a door is open, and I know when gates are open, and we, we want to continue to do what we're supposed to do in order to, to move with that. 1 Corinthians 16, 8-9. I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. There are many adversaries. <laughs> There's that adversaries things again. Fiery darts of the enemy. Gee whiz, I wish the enemy would just see us coming and flee. But when you have a, a, a great place where thieves and robbers have established themselves, they don't want you there. Paul says this door is megas. It's got the ability to reach many, many people, many, many places. And there's an energy in this door. Oh, I love that. And it's opened. Yeah, there are a lot who don't want these people stepping into the kami of their identity. The enemy does not want these people to accept their calling and to establish the kingdom. The enemy does not want that. He's going to oppose that. But pray, because uh, this door is, it's, it's got many tributaries, and it's, there's the energy that's there. It's open. I love that. Now this one, Revelation 3, is, is just great. Revelation 3 and 4, and we'll get through this. We're in overtime now. Revelation 3, 7, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things says he that is holy. <laughs> That's us. True. We're functioning on that. We have the key of David. You open and no man shuts, shuts and no man open. This means you're representing the king. Remember that study with Eliakim and Hezekiah. This means you're representing the king. I was talking to Yuwali yesterday. He won't mind me saying this. He said he was in the spirit praying and he saw an area uh, that was beyond where he was, and he, he asked the Lord, yeah, can I go and see what that is? And God said, you need a key, or whoever was talking to him. Could have been the spirit, could have been, I don't know, I wasn't there. You need a key to get there. These keys are really important when we're representing the king, and you know whether you have one and you know when you don't. Um, but. He has the key of David, opens, opens no man shuts, shuts no man opens. I know your works. I've set before you an open door. No way, no man can shut it. You have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Wow. Suppose that may be a, been a price that they paid before the Lord for this open door and the key of David? Probably. Well, if you have a little strength and... You know, everything's coming against you. That means you're doing something wrong. Well, maybe it means you're doing something right. Maybe. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, 
which say they are Jews and are not, these people are probably the ones that have been hanging around in that, where that door is. And they, they say they're Jews, they're not, but they lie. Behold, I will make them to come and proscuneo before your feet and to know that I've loved you. You've kept my word of patience. I will keep you from the hour of temptation which will come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold what you have. Don't let anyone take your crown of glory and honor. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Wow, that's a lot. But you know, every one of those phrases is for you. You're operating in this. And this door and this key is yours. Now, how, how did we get this? And this, we'll, we'll just do this one and then we'll be done. Revelation 4, verses 1 through 5. Just the next chapter. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. What does that mean? Well, we'll maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Which said, Come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And a good thing for you to study is look up hereafter. It doesn't necessarily mean for the end times, even though we're in that. Look at what hereafter means. You can look at that in a little while when I'm preaching. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, this is important because God calls him up after Jesus has been talking to him about the seven churches. Then a door is open in heaven. He hears a voice like a trumpet, which is basically saying, you are coming into a new thing now. That's the voice of a trumpet heralds a new beginning and an invitation for you to come in. And um, you're going to see things that need to be done and how they're going to be done, which is really what hereafter means. And immediately I was in the spirit and he sees this throne, a jasper and a star sardine stone. Now you can wear yourself out trying to figure out what those, the colors of those stones are. Those two are really hard to determine. Sardine, most people say it was kind of like a tannish, kind of a Caucasian color, as it were. Because if you say skin tone, there are lots of different colors of skin. But, but um, when you get to jasper, it can be any of five things. So the colors, really, you're going to wear yourself off trying to figure it out. But what's important about this is that if you were to consider the breastplate of the priest in the Old Testament. The very first stone and the very last stone are these two stones. And you can look it up. It's, it's just that way. So really what God is depicting here, he's sitting on the throne, is he's depicting the fulfillment of what the breastplate of righteousness and the breastplate of judgment was supposed to do. The fulfillment now through Christ, uh, so that we could function in this uh, breastplate of righteousness. I think that's wonderful. So 
you know, and I, I was looking at that, I was looking at it, you know, I'd really like to talk about the colors of these things, and it's really frustrating, you know. Some of the times you can see like indigo, well that's indigo, or you can see emerald, well that's, got, that's primarily green, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But really, the key to this is the breastplate, because the first and the last stone are the ones that are seen here. And the next thing John sees is that um, um, a rainbow around the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now here emerald unquestionably is green. Now why would this be? Because who's coming? Who's he, who's he gonna see coming? He sees on this throne there's this little book that God has in the right hand. And everybody's saying, who's worthy to open the book? And the slain lamb is coming. And that's, that's what's coming here. This is what John is seeing. He's going to see how things are going to be accomplished. And he, he, uh, he sees this green. Who was Jesus? He was fulfilling his prophetic calling. Prophecy, life, supply. He had come to die to fulfill this will of the Father, which is the apex of prophecy. And so here he comes before the throne. Around the throne is this hue of green, which depicts the Father's fulfillment of prophetic and his seven spirits is going to be accomplished. The Father is depicting himself as the completion of this breastplate, this identity which we all need, it's, the, it's our passport, it's our visa in the spirit realm. We've talked about that, how that sometimes when, when we're in intercession, we're drawn into a place that's highly contested. Sometimes the enemy is not looking at your swords or your mantles. They're pegging whether you have a right to be there in that breastplate. That is what the Father is depicting here. But this door is open. Let me show you how this is going to work from now on. And then the Lamb comes. And um, out of the throne proceeds lightnings, thunders, and voices. And that's interesting too. <clears throat> because to me, you know, we've talked about why isn't it voice, thunders, lightnings? Because this is the place, the throne, where you receive the impact to go forth as sons. And to me, lightnings, thunderings, and voices are 160 30. It's just, it just works that way. You've got to learn how to be an intercessor. You've got to learn how to be somebody that's going to devote your voice and hear the voice. If you don't do that, you're not moving forward. When you gather up into the secret place of thunder, you're there with many others that are coming around and you're galvanizing that electric charge of the Spirit together with the Lord. That's 60. But then when you go forth as lightning, you're going to see things accomplished. You are now a gatekeeper, and where you go, you're going to see earthquakes. You're going to see things turned right side up. That's the principle of the gates. I just, this is just so wonderful me, to me. Now, we're out of time. Um, I love the Song of Solomon thing there. Uh, you all love this too. Um, this is often depicted as in a bad way. Uh, and I, I, I know the reason I say it's a bad way because 
this girl is in bed and she's obviously in love with this lover that's come to the door. And you're going to tell me that a girl that is in love when their lover's at the door is going to say, I can't come over and see you because I just washed my feet. You think that really happens in the real world? I've never heard of any love songs that speak of that. I mean, you'd have to chain that girl to the bed to get her from going to the door. But keep on thinking it's that way. What is, what's the progression here? The first thing is that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That's the verse right above you. And uh, it's by the hole. It's an opportunity in the door. And immediately then your spirit begins to be motivated. You hear the verse of the Lord and you recognize this is what God has created me to be and to do. My bowels were moved within me. The ma'ah was moved. So I rose up to open. My hands were dripping with myrrh. I have committed myself to the, the anointing to partner with God in this. And myrrh is bitterness. It, is, it, it tastes that. You look at it. It's a word that implies bitterness. It's impurity versus what holiness should be. It's smallness. It's used to describe the root. It's used to describe as the nations before God. But yes, it does mean death. But you're committing yourself to die in order that bitterness might be turned to sweetness. You're, you're wanting holiness to replace impurity. So you're accepting that in your hands. And then your fingers, which indicate the prophetic depiction of what should be, begin to drip with sweet myrrh. You begin to see God do things. And suddenly that bitterness, that death, now becomes sweetness. It's very similar to what we studied about the trees, how they take that carbon dioxide and that impurities in, and it becomes a battle then that's turned into sweetness that then fuels growth. And um, then the lock is addressed. What, what have we talked about where you would need a lock to, for a lock, a key? This is a progression of development in following the Lord. And then you go out and you say, have you seen my beloved? You're got to, what are you doing? You're, you're dealing with watchers. You're dealing with gatekeepers. You're searching for why God has you there. Anyway, that's just another study. And I'm sorry that I took so long. But again, Mark was scheduled to teach. Tammy had already penciled in extra time. So I'm just enjoying <laughs> And we bless Mark today. We bless Trish. And I, I'm just happy to be able to share this. So I'm done now. I speak blessing over this and I ask you to just consider this. <clears throat> it's quarter after Dennis. I don't know if you want to come up and field questions. It's up to you or whether we're, we should be going. Okay, God bless all of you.